This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, my name is Daryl Ong, and you're tuned in to Banan, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. Last weekend marked the first major badminton tournament of the year, the Petronas Malaysian Open, which is a curtain raiser for the upcoming BWF World Tour season. This year also marked the first time the tournament was elevated as a Super 1000 tournament status. On the national contingent's performance, this tournament represents our worst showing since 2015, with not a single national shuttler making it to the semi-finals. The likes of home favourites Li Zijia, Aaron Chia, Sowo Yik, Perditan and Tinia all had underwhelming home campaigns, getting knocked out in matches where they were clear favourites in. So, what went wrong for the national squad at the Malaysian Open? On the line with me this week to break down last weekend's action is sports journalist and badminton correspondents Nicholas Anil and Fabian Mark Peter. I mean, it's it's really difficult for me to assess our players so quickly in the year. Like, I guess it's the first tournament. However, having said that, I don't think we should be giving any sort of excuses uh, because. I mean, if it's the first tournament for our players, it's also the first tournament for every other player out there, you know. Yet, they showed up, they performed. Look at Axelsen, you know, had a brilliant year last season. Um, Eight titles from 12 tournaments. Comes out, guns blazing, wins his, you know, his first title of the year, successfully defends his Malaysia Open title. Mm. Um, As well as the rest who actually won, because I think this year, everyone who won was a world number one in their respective uh, discipline. So I think it also sets the tone for for the year mm. in terms of, you know, making it quite uh, evident and clear that these are your players to be. If you want to contend for a title, let's say at this year's World Championships or even at the 2024 Paris Olympics, mm. um, I think our players would need to go back to the drawing board. Um, they will need to reassess their training programs. I don't know. I mean, you know, it seems to be the same old excuse. Players are saying they can't seem to control the draft in the venue. They are having this sort of pressure when playing in front of the home fans. But I think for you to be on top, you need to be able to manage all this. Yeah. Um, so I guess the other world number ones have proven and have made it um, very clear that you know they are really all out. Mm-hmm. They are going full on to, 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 to defend all these titles. Yeah. So I think Malaysia need to work hard. Lah. Our mm. players need to work really hard. Mm, the shuttlers that won you, right? You know, all cream yeah. of the crop, right? Almost. Mm-hmm. Um, the last victory we had, Nick, was in 2018 when Lee Chong Wei backed his 12th men's singles title of the Malaysian Open. We're going to have to wait a little longer uh, for another victory. But do you feel, you know, being there, soaking in the atmosphere, that positive strides were taken this year? Do you, would you say that? On, on the back of the performance this year, I would say no. Mm. Um, because... Uh, we seem to have regressed just by the context of the Malaysia Open. Last year, we had two pairs in the semi-final. This year, we don't have any pairs in the semi-final. So, if you're looking at it from the Malaysian Open context, mm. then it's a step back. But mm. having said that, um, on the bigger picture, I think our national shuttlers do have it in them. You know, it's, it's just a matter of um, trying to get some sort of momentum going. They are not consistent. Uh, they're not able to string uh, a couple of brilliant performances 
it's always seemed to be a one-off performances when it comes to our shuttlers. You look like you look at uh, Aaron Chia so who you know won the world championships, but after that it's just like sort of gone downhill. Balitan, mm-hmm. uh, Tina as well, you know they won the French Open, and then after that in the World Tour finals which followed uh, after that they they crashed out without winning a single game, mm-hmm. and in the Malaysia Open they lost in the first round. So it always seems to be one step forward, two steps back. Hmm. You know, if you were to compare this with Chongwei, he was never like that. He was uh, always winning titles or reaching the final. Winning titles or reaching the final. Even reaching the semi-final uh, was a rarity for him. So I think a lot of our shuttlers need to take a leaf out of Chongwei's playbook. But more than that, like what Fabian alluded to, you know, go back to the drawing board, see what they did wrong. You know, um, if you're talking about pressure playing on your home turf, so many other shuttlers have performed and won yeah. titles on their home turf. So you can't say that you have that pressure playing in the home turf. In fact, if anything, you've got to use that to your advantage because you have 10,000 fans, you know, backing you, chanting your name. How is that um, not not a positive uh, a point that you could use, not a strength that you could use, you know, to, to try and win that match? So, again, it's it's a lot of it has got to do with the shuttlers themselves mm. and, and, and nothing else. Um, not not so much the external factor, not so much the, the coaching structure or the or the training facilities, because everything is there for them. Mm. Yeah, mm. I mean, just to add on to what uh, Nicholas just said, um, because you know we were standing in the mix zone, and then you know you could actually listen to the interviews and stuff. And I heard Axelson say something very interesting because somebody did ask him about the pressure, you know, being the world number one, and he said it was a privilege to have that pleasure, uh, that, that that pressure, you know, it's, mm. a, it's a privilege and. And I would like to quote um, Michelle Chai, who's also the ABM, Academy Badminton Malaysia CEO, who said that it's a privilege for our players to play for Malaysia because not all of us have that privilege. Yeah. You know? And she also said something along the lines where um, we, the ones who are sort of like the support system, cannot go on court to win these titles. It's only the players who can get on court to win these titles. Yeah. But of course, this, without the support team, then these players may not go out there and win it. Mm. But you see, it still goes back to the players. So I think um, they really need to, 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 to go back to the drum board, reassess. Reassess um, everything. Yeah. Everything, yeah. Mm. Uh, let's get into the specific disciplines uh, right now. In men's singles, Lee Zijia, our national ace, was second seed. Uh, he bombed out of the first round against uh, eventual finalist Japanese shuttler Kodai Naroka, who's also playing in his first career Super uh, 1000 match. Uh, a nail-biting affair, this one, 21-13-18-21-19-21. Uh, guys, uh, either one of you, do you think that Zijia was just too overconfident coming up against uh, this up-and-down? No, uh, I, I I don't think Zijia was overconfident. I think it was a good match. I think it was really uh, neck neck, um, and um, it it was just unlucky. I think Koda is enjoying his best form right now, um, as compared to Zijia, who is without a coach uh, since November. Um, it could have gone either way, you see. But if you look at Koda throughout the entire tournament. Um, it seemed like, you know, at certain times, he was probably losing it, but somehow he managed to maneuver his way out of it, you know, and each match was more than one hour. And I yeah, think... 90 minutes on average, yeah, right up till the average, final. Yeah, uh, there was one match we went, which went even close to two hours. Wow. Yeah. Right? Mm. Yeah. So, it's crazy. I think 
we can't say Zijia was overconfident or it wasn't like he wasn't on form or anything like that. It's just that Kodai is really, really good right now. Mm. Um, so, like I said earlier, it's still the first tournament of the year. Um, still many more tournaments to go. Uh, I think the India Open just starting this week is a Super 750. So, it'd be good to see how our shuttlers, especially people like Zijia or even Ziyong, bounce back from the Malaysia Open. For sure. Um, Nick, uh, Fabian was talking about the support system, right? And, and things like that. Um, Zijia, like Fabian mentioned, hasn't had the coach since November. That has to be one of the factors, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, there were a couple of times during that match, uh, especially in the third set, uh, where you know it was so tight. Um, Zija turned uh, to look to his coach, which was Liu Darren, uh, which was initially his assistant coach, now sort of uh, promoted as an unofficial uh, main coach, mm-hmm. right? Um, but from my observation, uh, there was not much input that Darren could have given him from the sidelines. Of course, during the interval, uh, during the end of each set, you know, Darren goes up to Zija and, you know, speaks to him. Uh, but Darren, bear in mind, is still very much an active player. And Darren doesn't have the credentials of a coach just yet. I don't know if that's the part he's going to take in the future. But as of now, he's still an active player. Hmm. Now, Zija, should he have had an experienced coach, let's say Indra was there, things would have been different. Hmm. Um, and... I, I can't say that he could have won the the game, but Indra or anyone else, uh, you know, in in that hot seat, an experienced coach would have given him a more uh, precise uh, advice, perhaps, you know, a bird's eye view of the match, and you know, pinpointed what Zija should do at the crucial moments. Mm. And that is what is, I think, uh, going to be a, a sore missing point for Zija moving forward, mm. because even after the defeat, he came out and said that this is his decision. He's chosen to make this decision, and he's going to have to live with it. So, in other words, he's saying that he's going to continue to play without a coach for the foreseeable future. Uh-huh. Now, on the back of the last few tournaments, this does not bode well for him, because not having a coach there, uh, he he crashed out in the French Open, uh, I think second round, and then shortly after that, he, he wasn't without a coach. So, this was the first official uh, tournament of him playing without a coach, but. Uh, it, it was clear that he needs guidance. He needs uh, valuable input during the match. And if he doesn't get that, then he has no one to turn to. Hmm. Um, and you know, not many players can make it without a coach. Uh, the only other player who's without a coach uh, is Chinese Taipei's Chao Tianchen. Uh, he's a world top ten player. But bear in mind, Chao Tianchen uh, decided to be without a coach l- during the later part of his career. He's now in his mid thirties, so maybe just a couple of years back. Uh, He, he chose to play without a coach, mm. and he's already had that experience playing for a long time. You know, at the highest level, yeah. Zija has also been playing at the highest level uh, for some time, but he's not as experienced as, uh, let's say, Chao Tianchen. So for him to come out and say that, you know, I'm okay to be on my own and you know handle whatever situation that's thrown to me, uh, be it if I'm leading or if I'm trailing, uh, and do it all on my own, I, I don't think it's right. And another thing is that we we don't even know what is the issue of Zijia choosing to part ways with Indra, uh, because if we look at Indra's track record being with Zijia, they they had won the uh, Zijia had won the Asian Championships, Zijia Thailand. won the uh, Thailand Open, and it qualified for the uh, Denmark Open final. Yeah. So I would say Indra had done a great job. Mm. 
and there was no reason as to why Zija chose to split with Indra. Mm. He just said that you know he's choosing his new direction, and you know he's gonna start to go solo and play solo. Mm. So we really don't know what has happened behind the scenes. But moving forward, I think everyone uh, um, can see now that uh, Zija needs someone to be by his side, especially. With it being a crucial year uh, for him, you know the Olympic qualifiers are going to start as well. Yeah. Uh, and bear in mind, uh, several early round exits are going to put you in really difficult, difficult situation because the men's singles is a highly competitive affair. Yeah. Yeah, spe- speaking about it being a highly competitive affair and speaking about playing at the highest level, the eventual winner of the men's singles crown, the Dane Victor Axelsen beating Kodai in nearly handily in just under 40 minutes. Um, Fabian, the Dane is still very much the man to beat. Yep, very, very much. In fact, I was just working on a report about him and, you know, just looking at his record, I think he has already won um, 22 top tier titles. This includes four Super Series prior to 2018 and 18 World Tour titles. Mm. Um, just last year, he won eight from 12 tournaments. So, you know, um, he spoke to us. I mean, you know, he kept his interview very short, but he seems to be a guy who's very, very disciplined. I mean, just comparing him with, with, with other top athletes from other sports, you know, it seems like to be up there, there are sacrifices that you need to make. You know, you've got to live this life unlike any one of us. You, you know, people call you alien, people are going to call you a robot or whatever, but, you know, he is so fixed, he's so clear on what he wants. Mm. Um, you know, in fact, even his press conferences seem so, um, you know, what do you call it, like practice or whatever, but... Media trained. Media trained. <laughs> he just comes out there, says the same thing, you know, um, doesn't budge. Uh, doesn't get thrown off in any way. Um, but yeah, and, and, and looking at him, he's so physically fit. You know, he's just so powerful on court. In fact, even Kodai, who played in like matches that went way beyond one hour, and when he played in that last match, he just said he couldn't contain Axelson's pure strength. Mm. You know? Mm. Um, so yeah, looking at it, if he continues this way, um, I have a feeling... For me personally, he's the favourite to beat at the World Championships later this year as well as the 2024 Paris Olympics next year. Mm, that's Victor Axelsen for you. But another one of our men's singles who did pretty well, Nzi Yong, came close to knocking out Kodai in the second round. Two points away, in fact, uh, to winning that match. Uh, he attributed uh, post-match uh, his loss to a lack of experience. But if anything, it's one of the bright lights in a pretty subdued tournament for Malaysia, Nick. Yeah, definitely. Um, Ziyong, I thought, I thought get a, gave a great account of himself against uh, Kodai. Uh, in fact, uh, that third game, he held a three-point lead. He was 19-16, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Kodai, Kodai's experience told, uh, even though both of them are the same age, uh, Kodai has a little bit more experience playing at higher-tier tournaments. And I think that's what made the difference. But back to Ziyong, he is improving very rapidly. And I think that uh, Zijia's departure from BAM has sort of paved the way for Ziyong to become BAM's golden boy. Not in the sense that, you know, all attention is paid to him, but they can really groom him uh, to become a top 10 shuttler, to really contend for top honours, you know, in the coming years. Um, he's got everything as well. He's got the height. Um, even though he may look uh, uh, skinny, he's, he's very agile. 
he is a very uh, rally driven player but i've noticed that he's he's sharpened his attacking instincts uh in in recent months you know his defense is also getting better so uh that overall game is improving uh tournament by tournament and i think that uh malaysia does not need to worry too much because we have two players now if zija doesn't really step up to the plate then we have ziong who is fast you know chasing up behind him give him a couple of months uh not, not even years give him a couple of months perhaps uh until uh the end of this year and i think we could really see uh, ziong making huge strides to become at least a top 10 player there was Nicholas Anyo and Fabian Mark Peter joining me on the program as this week we are dissecting Malaysia's performance at the curtain raiser tournament the Malaysian Open more to come so stick around only here on Barnan on BFM 89.9 BFM 89.9, this is Barnan, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. I'm your host, Daryl Ong. This week on the program, we've been dissecting the national team's performance at the recently concluded Malaysian Open. Joining me is sports journalist Fabian Mark Peter and Nicholas Anio to break down last weekend's action. And now we're on to the women's singles discipline. In the absence of Go Jinwei, it's also a category that saw no national women shuttler taking part in. I think Akane has been very consistent as well. I mean, since uh, winning the World Championship last year, she's also the world number one. Um, I've always admired her game, to be honest, because, you know, every time when you watch her, she's not the tallest player out there. She doesn't look the fittest when you compare her to players like Kaizu Ying or even um, Marin, for, for that matter. But it's just the way she moves on court. She's got this great coverage, you know, especially like even, you, you know, her, her, her movement is so... Um, precise. It may not look graceful when compared to any other player, but she's going to get the shot back. Like, I've never seen her, you know, struggle when mm. she goes for all those uh, backline shots or, or even lifts. She just gets it and she somehow, she somehow makes it back in time to get those net shots as well. So, um, no surprise for me. Um, and But compared to the men's singles event, I think the women's singles event is so much more um, competitive. It could be anyone's game. Hmm. Uh, I think this year, we didn't have Rachanok who had to withdraw due to an injury. Um, Rachanok could come back and win the title. Hmm. And then you've got Marine, who's also um, very good. Although she's just come back from like a... Uh, like, like you know surgery and injuries and stuff but she could step up anytime mm. to win a title mm. uh, and then you've got China's Chen Yufei you've mm. also got um, tai, Yuzi, tai Zuying who's also very very consistent out there so um, Akane has got to face all these people so I think it, it, it's going to be interesting I think the women's singles event is one of the most uh, interesting event to, to watch mm. that, that, definitely a very stacked feel but Nick where are the Malaysians where's some women's singles <laughs> uh, we ask ourselves every time we see each other on assignment where are the Malaysian uh, women's singles if there is a, an event or if there is a discipline that Malaysia is sorely lacking in depth and talent it is the women's singles as of now, we only have Go Jinwei. Yep. But bear in mind, Go Jinwei uh, 
has been dealing with a lot of um, health issues. You mm. know, she uh, underwent a stomach uh, surgery not too long ago, and as a result, um, she can only eat one meal a day, and she can only have her meals uh, bef- right after, uh, at the end of the day, rather. So, uh, if she has her meals before uh, uh, she plays, then then it sort of stirs up uh, acid reflux and, you know, she she starts uh, vomiting and all that. So she has not been able to perform at her optimal peak because of this predicament. Mm. And that has really set her back and to an extent set Malaysian women single scene as well. Because if you look further down, you have S. Kisona who has also dealt with a lot of injury crisis and as a result chosen to go independent and she's left the national body. How she's going to do is anyone's guess because now she has to chart her own part, chart her own training training schedules, find her own sponsors. And bear in mind, if you're not in the top 10, all of that is going to become very, very difficult because you're going to have to do it on your own, yeah. especially finding a sponsor. Mm-hmm. If you can't find a sponsor, means you can't go out on and participate in world tour events. And if you can't participate in these events, then it's going to affect your world rankings and it's going to jeopardize your career. Hmm. So that's uh, SK Sona. Uh, so, so Sonia Chia has retired, hasn't she? Yes. Uh, so yes. Sonia Chia has recently retired as well. But even if she was playing, her career was heading nowhere. Mm. Uh, we know disrespect to her. So I think, you know, she's also chosen her, her own part, you know, to start her own badminton academy. Mm. So with that being said, we have... We had just these three, now we're down to two. Um, and with uh, Kisona yet to uh, feature in the uh, World Tour this year, hmm. we only have Go Jinwei. So Malaysia are sorely lacking in talents and BM of BM have already identified that. They are going out to try and churn out more talents, but it's not easy to come by. Even if you have a talent, you know, to get them to compete at the highest stage, to get them to become world top 30, top 20, it's going to take years of effort. Uh-huh. So we are going to see a bit of a hole in these women's singles for the time being, unfortunately. Mm, unfortunately, indeed. Uh, we move on now to the mixed doubles. China, take this one with the world number one pair taking the crown. Uh, with this achievement, the pair became the most successful mixed doubles pair in the history of the Malaysia Open. Uh, Fabian, pretty much an expected win from the top seeds. I would think so because these guys have been really, really consistent. And it's not just them. There's this other Chinese pair as well. Um, so it seems like when it comes to mixed doubles, it's just among these three or four pairs. Mm. I mean, of course, you have your Japanese pair there, Yuta Watanabe and Arisa Higashino. Um, and also Thailand's uh, Deshapol and Sapsiri. So at the highest level, I think it's among these Okay. Four pairs right now. Mm. Um, if you want to compare it with a Malaysian pair, for example, uh, of course we've got Go Soon Huat, Chevon, and Tan Ken Ming Lai Beijing. But unlike the men's singles or even the women's singles, where you can say that it's so competitive among the top 10 um, players, when it comes to mixed doubles, I think the rest are still playing catch up. Mm. They have not uh, gotten up to this level just yet. And at the moment, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for anyone to topple these Chinese pairs or even the Thai pair mm. um, and, and, and Japan. So the gap is take a while. The gap is way too big in between the them. Gap, the gap is way too big. That's one. But I also see some positives coming from BAM's uh, mixed doubles department. Of course, these two pairs are still very, very new. They're still very young. Mm. And um, 
but they've got a good coach. You know, they've got two-time world champion Noah now uh, in charge of the mixed doubles department. And um, let's see, let's see. I, I, I'm very interested to see how they perform in the next few tournaments because both these pairs do not have a ranking just yet yeah. um, mm. because they're so new, right? They, mm. they were just formed sometime late last year. So they will need to play in a few more tournaments before they could get their ranking up. So it'd be very interesting to see because when the Olympic qualifiers start in May, every pair stands a chance mm. to qualify. Mm. Uh, right now, these two pairs have done well in defeating some of the top independent Malaysian pairs. Mm. I mean, before this, we always thought that these independent pairs are going to take up those Olympic slots. But now it's going to be very interesting to see if they are the ones who are going to qualify for the Paris Olympics or these two new pairs could do something about it. When, when the qualifying starts in May, it's going to be the best 10 tournaments in that one-year qualifying bracket. Got you, got you. Yeah. And you are talking about the unseeded, uh, in this tournament anyway, Tiangji and Iwei, uh, yes. who impressed, made it, making it yeah. all the way to the quarterfinals this year. And like you rightly mentioned, you know, it's a newly formed duo. They are yeah. first showing as a pair. Uh, the deepest run that uh, this tournament in by BAM Shuttlers, they definitely impress you. Um, but also on show, I don't know if you guys were there uh, for this, but there was an exhibition match for uh, national stalwart Go Liu Ying. Uh, yeah. who officially retires. Uh, she played the last tournament here at the Malaysia Open. She's, I mean, she's been such an immense force all over uh, over the years for the national team. Uh, going to be hard to replace her, Nick. Going to be hard to replace uh, that experience uh, that she brings on court uh, because Liu Ying has been in the scene uh, for such a long time, you know, I think for a good 15, 16 years. Yeah. Um, but um, her, her career has unfortunately been on the wane in the last two three years uh, because uh, after splitting with, with long-time partner Chan Peng Soon she tried experimenting with different partners it didn't really work out and then got reunited with Peng Soon uh, for one last uh, tournament at this uh, Malaysia Open sure. but if you look at her career highlights you know uh, uh, it was undoubtedly winning that silver medal in the uh, 2016 Olympics with Peng Soon sure. you know and then uh, she reached a career uh, third uh, rank with Peng Soon as well uh, but um, her, her colourful career also saw her become the first Malaysian uh, female athlete uh, to actually win a medal in the Olympics. So that tells you so much about, you know, uh, Liu Ying in her prime. Um, and, and when she was in her prime, she was such a magnificent front court player. You know, she yeah. was sharp. You know, she was intelligent with her shot. You know, she knew how to break the rhythm during intense rallies. And she really brought a sense of calm. Uh, to that combination with Peng Soon. Uh, so I think it's a great time for her to, you know, uh, call it uh, an end to her professional career. Uh, but she's definitely got other pursuits now that she's going to be, you know, embarking on. And we just wish her all the best. Yeah, we're so proud of you, Liu Ying. Uh, we move on now to the men's doubles. This one, the world number three, Aaron Chia, So Wo Yik, failed to impress. Uh, another disappointing showing from this pair going out to a Chinese pair in the second round. Uh, Fabian, the doubles coach Rexy called their campaign, and I quote, soulless. Yeah. Do you think it's a bit too harsh? Mm, no, no. <laughs> to, be, to be honest, no. Um, I think why Rexy said that is because Rexy knows what these guys are capable of doing, actually. Everyone knows. I mean, Aaron Wick are definitely up there mm. with the best, 
right? I mean, it was proven. I mean, they're world champions, right? And I don't know. It just feels like since the world championships, I don't know if I want to blame it on 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 all the uh, extracurricular activities that's happening outside of the badminton court that has affected them, or you know, it's just. Uh, something that might have happened that's demotivating them in some way. Mm. It, it just feels like that, you know, because you could see it on their faces. Uh, it seems like they were so stressed. Uh, nothing was working for them uh, in terms of their combination. Because on their day, Aaron and Wick are superb, yeah. right? Um, and the men's doubles department, I think, right now is... It, it's so competitive. You have your Indonesian pairs there, at least four or five Indonesian pairs who could, you know, create an upset. Uh, not talking about your world number one, not talking about your world number two, and not even talking about, you know, your former world number ones, uh, Kevin and Gideon. But uh, the China pair has been really consistent. Um, and uh, now you also have Japan there, mm. Oki and Kobayashi. Mm. So the men's doubles... It's really anybody's game, but I guess what Rexy really wanted to see was that fight on court, that spirit, that desire to win, mm. uh, which he didn't see. Mm. And I think he was very disappointed with that. Um, and not just Aaron Wick, but we also have uh, Gozefe and Izudin, mm. you know, who were also a huge letdown. I think, let's see, it, it, I think it's very crucial. I think the Malaysia Open is a real eye-opener for the Malaysian shuttlers. Mm, for sure. Um, you know, with the Olympic qualifiers looming, starting in May, they only have a few months to pull their act together. Mm. So, um, let's hope they could bounce back. You know, it's good that right after the Malaysia Open, you have the Super 750 India Open, India which Open. is going to be equally as competitive. Yeah. So, this is where you could really assess and see if they are up there. Mm. Um, and they've been talking about consistency. This is where you prove it. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, one one pair, uh, one Malaysian pair that did do well though is the independent duo of uh, Ong Yu Sin and Tio yeah. Yi. Uh, like in the mixed doubles, they made it all the way to the quarterfinals, only losing to the world number one Indonesian pair, the pair that eventually uh, took the crown. I mean, Nick, this is definitely not a bad showing from the eight seed. Yeah, I think um, if you were to look at the context of our Malaysian shuttlers as a whole. Yusin and E have been the most consistent pair in the last few months. They made the semi-finals of the Denmark Open and then after that they made the final of the Australian Open mm. and then I think it was the semis of the World Tour final. So it's been really consistent, you know, they've been they've been pushing themselves to reach the semis, final semis and then unfortunately this time around they crashed out in the uh, quarterfinals. Uh, but you cannot fault them for spirit, you cannot fault them for determination, they, are, they had the teamwork, they had the hunger, they had the willpower to fight. All of these qualities which uh, Aaron Wojcik, uh, Zafe Izzuddin didn't have. Mm. And also bear in mind that Yusin and E have been going through, uh, have gone through a transformation in a coach as well. So their, their former coach, Chin Hui, has now uh, moved to New Zealand to take up a coaching offer over there. And so now they are being uh, helped by a new coach, Rosman Razak. But it still did not dampen their performance. You know, sometimes you see uh, a new pair when, when they are uh, taken over by a new coach, you know, different strategies come into play and it sort of messes up with their old game. 
but not on this evidence. Maybe some readjusting to what Rosman wants from them tactically. But I think in terms of their chemistry with each other, it has been magnificent. Mm. And you know, not having the full facilities to train, you know, like in BAM, you know, they're forced to uh, train outside and really, you know, stand on their own two feet. Despite all that, for them to have been a consistent pair in the last few months says a lot about them. And we can only hope that they will keep this up and eventually, you know, uh, qualify for Paris. And not only that, start winning titles because, you know, the mark of a true consistent pair is not just qualifying for semis and final, but actually having titles to their names. Mm, for sure. Uh, Fabian, any thoughts to add on Yusin E? Um, I think, like what Nicholas just said, um, they've been very consistent. But then um, the other thing I think we need to also recognize um, and realize is that um, Yusin and Iyi, when you watch them play, you can see that joy, that happiness. You know, they, they, they really feed off the crowd. And they always, you know, Iyi has that smile on his face when he's playing. But the same can't be said for the national shuttlers. Uh, they seem to be under a lot of stress. And Inside Source even revealed to me recently that Aaron Wick are not enjoying it. You know, for some reason, um, only they can explain or, or, or tell us. Yeah. Uh, but um, so they need to, to, to reignite or to, they need to find that, 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 that joy and passion again. Mm. Um, because it's very important because you're not playing in a single in a singles event you see you're, you're you're playing as a pair i think it's very important for you to have that that right uh communication um that that that, that combination that rotation all those important technical aspects when you're playing in a doubles event yeah so yeah yeah it's either that or you just change it up right just Try our new partner, see how it mm. goes. Um, but on to the women's doubles now. I'm talking about lack of consistency. Uh, this pair, Pelitan, Amtinia, French Open champions. Also world number six. They fell a bit, in my opinion, surprisingly, to a Bulgarian pair. Their sisters and world uh, number 14. A surprise defeat, uh, perhaps uh, added pressure playing on the home ground. Pelitina is actually quite surprising uh, to me because... Um, even before they won the French Open, they were quite consistent. Um, and then they had such a magnificent tournament uh, at, at the French Open. You know, they beat several top South Korean and Japanese pairs. Uh, but it was what happened after that that is baffling to everybody. You know, mm. at the World Tour Finals, uh, no doubt they had a tough group, but they crashed out without even winning a single game. If I remember correctly, they did not even take a game of their opponents. They crashed out in straight games. And then uh, in the Malaysia Open to go out in the first round, um, is 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 something that is kind kind of strange because I thought the worst has been uh, past them. Uh, not too long ago, Pearly had a, a knee injury, and if you remember, she had to be stretched out in a wheelchair at the Japan Open. But uh, less than a month later, then they became French Open champion. So uh, now with both of them back to full fitness and you know enjoying that confidence from winning a huge title, uh, to sort of just uh, fade away so fast. Uh, I, I really can't put a, a, a put a, a major reason as to uh, why they have declined so badly. But perhaps it may be due to pressure. Uh, just in the back of the Malaysian Open, you know, uh, playing in front of their home fans. Again, that is a sign that perhaps they don't have that maturity to deal with that 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 emotions to deal with that atmosphere and use it 
to their advantage hmm. uh, and they sort of wilted under pressure uh, that Stova sisters who beat them bear in mind they, they are formidable opponents but Pearlie and Tina should be beating them on their day For sure. you know no doubt about that hmm. so a lot of work to be done with these two the potential is definitely there you know hmm. these two are friends from their teenage days you know they were friends since they are 13 years old so they are close friends and you can see their chemistry on court so when they are great they are really on song you know nobody can sort of penetrate them because they work really well as a pair you know Tina at the early uh, at the back court with her attacks and, and Tina at the front court very very intelligent with her short placements but you know when it goes wrong then it's laid bare for all to see so a lot of work for them to do but i think you know with a little bit of focus with a little bit more practice to refine these deficiencies uh they should be contending uh, for you know places uh, at least in the quarterfinals semifinals at least mm-hmm. it's a pretty disappointing uh, opening of the year for the malaysian contingent but last question guys looking forward you know the indian open kicks off this week definitely a good chance to bounce back but what the uh, maybe each of you can answer this, but what are the aspects to improve on, especially looking forward to the Paris Olympics, qualification for the Paris Olympics? Like I said earlier, I think it's it's all about the mindset. I think they've got to have a, a, a correct mindset going into all these tournaments. You can't just think of it like a one-off thing, you see. You can't just say, oh, okay, the Paris uh, Olympics is coming up, the qualifying period is coming up, so we're going to focus on that. No, to be top players, I think it's all year round, regardless. Mm. Your mindset has got to be a world number one mindset. You've got to you've got to learn from players like Victor Axelsen. You've got to learn from the Chinese women's doubles pair, world number one, who has been so consistent. Um, so it's you you know you, you you I guess it's all about practicing their minds to to go in these tournaments thinking that hey, it's not about playing it for each match. You know you, you always hear this sort of comment like oh we're going to just focus on point point step by step. I think no. Going in into a tournament, you got to go in thinking, hey, hey we're going to go and try and win this. We got to go and try and win this. Mm. Make sure everything is done right. Discipline. You know, I guess they've got to look at what they're eating, what time they're sleeping. It, it, it's about having that champion's mentality. So I think that's the thing that's lacking when it comes to our Malaysian athletes. So, yeah. Mm. Nick? Yeah, I agree with Fabian. Um, uh, a lot of points I, I resonate with. But um, also for me, in addition to that, it's it's the discipline, you know, it's it's being diligent, uh, it's trying to to be consistent, you know, and trying not to accept these one-off victories and be satisfied with that. Because when you're satisfied uh, by becoming a one-off champions and thinking that you're up there, then that that mentality is is stuck that you don't have anything else to prove. You always got to come out and compete in every tournament as if it's your first tournament and you got to do it all over again. That is what Victor Axelsen does in every tournament. That's what that uh, Chinese women doubles pairs. That's what that uh, Indonesian men's doubles pairs, Fajar Alfian and Rian Adianto. They do it not thinking, oh, I have won eight titles this year so I can come in here and take it easy. Our shuttlers perhaps have the tendency to do that. I'm a world champion, you know, these guys are, you know, got to fear me. And so I can come in with that air of, you know, uh, invincibility and, you know, perhaps take it easy and, you know, somehow sneak away a win. Because every discipline is highly competitive 
especially if you're a top 10 shuttler so i think that mindset especially needs to change even if you reach the final even if you win approach the next tournament as if you're participating for the first time as if you have everything to prove because it it works like this in every aspect of your life even in the corporate life if you are the ceo of a company it's not that you can put your feet up on the table and you know say i i made it and not do any work in fact you've got to be one of the most hard working and prove yourself on a daily basis mm-hmm. it's the same with these athletes as well you know if they don't have that mindset that i have nothing more to prove then this is the performance that they're going to be dishing out so simple as that That was Nicholas Anil and Fabian Mark Peter joining me this week on the program as we have been dissecting Malaysia's performance at the Malaysian Open. And with that, we've come to the end of this week's show. If you'd like to revisit the podcast for this week's program, you can head over soon to our website, www.bfm.my forward slash bar none. And if you'd like to get in touch with the program, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. My name is Daryl Ong and this has been Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. Join us again next week only here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.